This is a humble man recording. Scano, Sego, Ani, you're listening to the Red Road Podcast with Courtney Skye and Hayden King. Ani and Pujo. idea <laughs> you didn't like my asr asmr whatever <laughs> listen we gotta stay hip and fresh can you try that again no that was good that was good <laughs> uh, i should have jumped it earlier you just took yeah, it so far yeah just, i did it was, just, it was like, so funny going on there <laughs> it was so funny no it's quality i enjoy it um good job thanks that's uh you've been wanting to do asmr Sounds like some kind of fetish. I think it, it is might sort be. of a fetish, I think right? So, yeah. When we yeah. first started this podcast, you were all like, "We need to do ASMR and mukbangs." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What are those things?" Yeah. That th- those things do not sound pleasant. Yeah, I thought we were closer in age, but it turns out you are not a millennial, <laughs> and so I'm on the cusp. I'm on the cusp of millennial. You're definitely. Uh, I don't know what the generation before millennials is, because millennials only think about millennials. Um, I guess I grew up in the 90s slash 2000s. I remember the days before there was the internet. Yeah, I don't. But barely. Were you, like, paying attention? Because I feel like you were, like, watching cartoons in the 80s. <laughs> uh, that's actually true, yeah. Yeah, because I don't remember any of the 80s. Okay. Um, so I'm a little bit older. <laughs> Yeah, a smidge. Just outside of the millennial range. Do you remember the 70s? No, I do not. Okay. I was not around for the 70s. Okay, well, there you go. So, uh, should we do some more ASM- ASMR? Um, no. <laughs> Traffic is really bad this morning. We're packed up on the gardener. It's going to take us about two hours to get into Toronto. Yeah. We are in the the irony is that the is really helpful <laughs> for our commute. <laughs> the irony is that the GPS, like either it knows where I, my house is and it knows where my work is, and it's just suggesting that we go home. <laughs> <laughs> it knows it's the morning. Well, let's turn around then, Courtney. Yeah. Let's get on the off ramp. <laughs> we can't get across all this traffic. <laughs> We're in the HOV lane. All right. We so could just, we could just go home though. I feel kind of sick. I could like. Yeah, you're a little bit. Uh, you've got some mm-hmm. something going on, eh? Yeah, I have a little bit of a cold. I was holding a baby that had a snotty nose, and now I'm sick. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. Those baby germs. Fucking baby germs, man. Beautiful baby snipe though. Gotta love the snipe clan. Mm. Small but mighty. 
so we are now um where what are what episode are we on here is this five number five yeah or five or six is it six, six? it might be, be five or six we're somewhere in that neighborhood i'm surprised we've made it so far yeah i think most podcasts end after like six to ten <laughs> so i think if we make it to like 15 we could be like a solid episode but i think that like a season yeah that could be a season okay so we just got to make it to 15. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, <clears throat> I was getting chirped because um, we were, uh, a friend of mine was a little bit annoyed that we made it onto CBC Unreserved's list of podcasts to listen to because at that point, I think we had two podcast, two two episodes and <laughs> we really we had, had no idea what we were doing. And we had three uh, episodes, and I would argue that we still have no idea what we're doing. It's true. We don't have any idea. The CBC Unreserved had no idea, including us on their list of... No business, including us on their list of Indigenous podcasts to listen to. But it was very annoying that they mangled the clip we sent to them, though. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I feel like we had sent them... We had sent CBC Unreserved a clip of our podcast and said that like this is what is kind of a demonstration of what we do here on the red road which was essentially uh me pointing out to hayden that he has internalized a colonization <laughs> we all have internalized colonization Courtney. yes we do to varying degrees and in this instance there was a, a specific instance for those of you that have been listening along from our first episode where Hayden essentially called himself out for having some internalized oppressions about the red road that we're traveling, and CBC cut that out. They cut out yourself own, and they just kept that yeah. narrative that we had cut out and called out that we had our or that you had yourself. It was a real misrepresentation of the podcast. Yeah, we we're, we combat these colonial narratives, and that's what we were doing on that particular clip. But they chose to cut it in a way that perpetuated a colonial narrative and implicated me in in uh, that process so yeah which is also funny because I feel like the episode the, our most recent episode that we had out too when CBC asked us if we would want to be on this episode was about representation right and who gets chosen for what and what narratives get elevated over another and I just thought it was so interesting that we are so critical of that kind of of these you know sanitized reconciliation themed narratives around indigenous people and then that was completely sanitized out of the coverage that cbc made of our own podcast right it was a really interesting example of how even when you're trying to be subversive or challenge some of those narratives people will choose to hear what they want to hear about it mm -hmm. and i'm who knows who the producers of the show are and how they cut it up i think that I don't know much about CBC Unreserved. I do like the show and Rosanna Deerchild uh, most of the time, but uh, CBC Indigenous, for instance, a lot of their producers, most of their producers are non-Indigenous. Uh, that can result in the sort of misrepresentation that we're talking about. But I feel like also part of the clip that we sent, though, was like me being really shady to Hurons. <laughs> and like, is Rosanna a Huron? Did I like... <laughs> Uh, I'm more disappointed that your chirp of the Hurons didn't get into the CPC Unreserved episode than me getting <laughs> cut off. I know! Uh, oh, well, oh, well. oh, there were some, There were some other fantastic uh, podcasts on that episode, uh, Coffee with Ma and Media Indigena, among others, so um, yeah, check them out anyway. Yeah, much better podcasts than this one. Definitely. Um, 
So yeah, I guess that's a half shout out mm-hmm. to CBC mm-hmm. Unreserved, or at least yeah. what they're trying to do. I guess it's an example of why we didn't share it from our Twitter account. <laughs> right. For our 22 followers. We have almost 300 followers All on right. Twitter. Okay. Shouts out to every one of you. Especially shout out to our number one Twitter follower, uh, Jordan Brent. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so what did we talk about last last week? Did we pick up from there? Yeah, so last week we were talking about Métis. Oh, we were talking about Eastern Métis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so... Technically not Métis. Technically not Métis. Uh, what... Who are Métis, really? That's, <laughs> That's where we're going with this? I... I'll, we didn't. We didn't really get to the bottom of that in our last in our last episode, right? Well, okay. Listen, I know plenty of Métis folks who I love and respect, and I support them and their Métisness. Especially more, I think the more that I've actually like known Métis people, I kind of like might have more empathy or more care and consideration of them than I did before. <laughs> of, <laughs> You, Métis need, folk you, in you general. needed to meet a Métis to uh, appreciate them. Yeah, same like I needed to meet a Nishnabek person before I uh, really appreciated their culture. Well, Listen, hey. I grew up, if there's anything that I've learned, it's that growing up to a reserve teaches you nothing about Indigenous people. Because I grew up on Six Nations, which is like uh, right next door to New Credit. And I learned nothing about Anishinaabek culture growing up that close to Anishinaabek reserve. And, uh... You know, but now we're friends, That's you right. know? That's funny. Kind of. That's Are we friends? <clears throat> it's funny because uh, Mohawks certainly let you know about Mohawks. Strong brand. <laughs> brand recognition. Yeah. Um, that was me last night, just letting them know about Mohawks. <laughs> <laughs> last episode? Well, last No, night. last night on Twitter. Oh, I got into I see. a Twitter fight. Oh, jeez. You gotta stay. I think I'm very close to shutting down my social media accounts. So I won't, I won't be able to see your Twitter fights anymore. My Twitter fights. I'll uh, send you screenshots. Okay. I'll, I'll I hear people that. do that a lot these days. You can text me instead of DM me. <laughs> yeah. uh, who texts anymore? Who, literally who texts? Because like, I feel like we were actually recording this podcast and working together for like six months before I even knew your phone number. <laughs> it was like very late to the game. I think you, I think we exchanged phone numbers maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, I got a text this morning because I was late to our pickup. That was, was like, the first the text we ever sent. That was the first text. I don't even have your name programmed in there. I got to... Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, so next time you text, it'll come up. Angry Mohawk. <laughs> so um, we left the Métis discussion hanging. Uh, I don't know if we want to do the Métis point two, mm-hmm. Métis episode two right now. Uh, already too much Métis. Already too much Métis, I think, so... There's uh, yeah. So let's talk about. Um, well, I don't know what so, are you talking about. Yeah. So it's how was been, your weekend? Yeah. So it's been a, a while since we recorded a podcast. That's it's right. It's been was, almost like two weeks. You were away. I was away. Or I was in ceremony for most of the time. Uh, there was a death in my family, and so that didn't show any grieving processes are are long and. Uh, Involved, and so I was occupied with that, and I appreciate everyone's patience with us as we were respectively very busy in our personal lives and got the podcast out a day late last week. Um, 
and yeah but it was what i what we've since learned both of our favorite holidays thanksgiving yeah thanksgiving is i think i don't know i think thanksgiving and halloween sort of compete for me for favorite holidays also easter i try to turn easter into sort of like trickster day for my kids it's like nana bojo instead of the easter bunny yeah my um my little cousin was talking about how easter is his favorite holiday because it's like halloween and christmas combined which i thought was a very a very hot take from a (laughs) six-year-old that it's pretty accurate actually so why is thanksgiving your favorite holiday uh, I guess it's just circumstance, really. I know that there's a lot to chirp about Thanksgiving. Because that's like the predominant dialogue, and I feel like both of us are maybe more inclined to be on that side, and so I was surprised that we might be on the opposite of a lot of people. Because like in the States, right, especially it's Columbus Day right. for Canadian Thanksgiving, and so... There's been a real push to change Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day in the U.S. And Thanksgiving, I, I mean, my idea of us is, like, Thanksgiving is kind of like the original reconciliation, right? Like, Well, yeah, or the be- the beginning of, well, the lost opportunity of reconciliation. I don't know. I don't, you know, if you look at the origins of the American Thanksgiving, it's, like, what the first recorded Thanksgiving was in 1634 or something on, like that on the Potomac River where the English invited a bunch of... Indians to a dinner and then poison them all. Two hundred drop dead. Uh, and like King James, thank God for this merciless plague sent amongst the natives, who's miraculous, so that we could have this uh, this feast. Um, yeah, I mean it's pretty dark. The origins of Thanksgiving and. The American context, and then the Canadian context is like Martin Frobisher. I think was the first, you know, guy that I think that's where they trace the Canadian Thanksgiving to Martin Frobisher. Frobisher was this really awful English pirate who kidnapped uh, this Inuk man from the shore. The, Frobisher was looking for for diamonds, or no, he's looking for gold, and he found uh, pyrite fool's gold so he loaded his ship full of it and thought he was rich and decided to sail back to England but on his way he saw this Inuk guy on the on uh, paddling his kayak or on the shore and kidnapped him and then around the next corner he found an Inuk woman and child and decided to kidnap them as well put them into his boat into a cabin and let his as basically circus animals expecting them to put on a show for his men and course on the voyage the man bit his tongue off and bled to death and I don't know what happened to the to the woman I think that's the that's the history that I know anyway that's Martin Frobisher for you and Canadians date the first Thanksgiving back to this guy so uh when you look at the origins of some of these deeply colonial holidays it's hard to muster any you know I love Thanksgiving it's great (laughs) My contemporary reimagination of Thanksgiving is that it should be a day where settlers offer various felty and tributes to Indigenous people and thank them for not calling them like we continually fantasize about. <laughs> Thankful that we're not poisoning them. Yeah. <laughs> Returning the favor, I think, is the the idea. Right. 
But I think it's, you know, I mentioned circumstance before. It's, in both of our uh, cultures, Thanksgiving is a very, you know, maybe the central institution. Uh, and so there's just a sort of natural overlap, I think, in some ways between the contemporary Canadian notion or American notion of Thanksgiving and what we, we do. Thanksgiving, for me, as I said before, it's a sort of circumstance. The one holiday where the majority of my native family gets together. It doesn't happen at Christmas, doesn't happen any other holidays. It's just sort of Thanksgiving is when everybody gets together. And so really just for that reason, it's my my mm -hmm. favorite holiday. Yeah. My mom makes a great turkey. And anytime I get a chance to have turkey, I'm happy. I did miss this year's Thanksgiving. There was a scheduling issue. So can't be that favorite of a holiday, can it? But you said that you also like Halloween. Yeah, Halloween's great. Halloween or Halloween? I don't know. I think it's Halloween. 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 Um, yeah, I love Halloween. It's you know what other what other time of the year? And that maybe this is sort of we we're talking about uh, death in one of our earlier discussions that we didn't record for this podcast. But you know, there's very few times where society generally collectively stops and thinks about death a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess most people don't really. They just sort of dress up as Spider-Man and go get candy. Yeah. I also really enjoy Halloween. My favorite cousin growing up, I guess one of my closest cousins growing up, her birthday is around Halloween. And so we always used to have her birthday party as like a Halloween party. And every time without fail... We would be, like, whatever, like, five, six years old kids having a Halloween party. And then all the little babies would disappear. They'd get hidden in a room. And then our older cousins would dress up like very scary monsters and come in and scare the <laughs> shit out of us. And chase us around the house until everyone was traumatized and screaming. And it happened every year without fail for, like, many years in a row. And it was the funniest thing in the world for my parents and my aunts and my uncles for my older cousins to just terrorize the shit out of us. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it happened until like my cousin was like too old to have family birthday parties, which is like something that happens in like the teenage years. But my, yeah, that's like my main Halloween memory is going to my cousin's birthday and just getting this shit scared out of me. This one time, um, one of my cousins was wearing a very scary like clown mask and he came up to me, and I punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that Halloween is one of those... I love pulling pranks on my kids, and I love scaring them. And Halloween is the time that it's actually acceptable, you know? And you can convince people to watch scary movies that don't normally like scary movies. Uh, so that's definitely a, a big part of Halloween. I mean... <laughs> when I was a teenager running around egging people's houses and running down the street after they chased mm -hmm. you, that's, you know, scary, very scary, very scary. Yeah, we used to do, like, uh, extra coverage when I was a firefighter, too, to, like, on Halloween, 
where you would go and like expect like you know on devil's night and halloween to have like extra calls because like it used to be really bad in our res too right of like people going out and like pranking and setting fires and stuff so we used to have like people we would go in and you know spend the night at the fire department have like six to ten people on shift and eventually like it's calmed down right i feel like people don't necessarily pull the same pranks they used to way back in the day and like of course I was a fire department so there's like these all these old guys that are like the captains and stuff and one of our captains told a story where he was like I don't even understand why we do this anymore why we up staff on Halloween you kids today don't know what the hell you're doing on Halloween he's like this one time we cut down a tree and put it across the road and then went to someone's outhouse and emptied out their outhouse and poured buckets of shit all over this tree and then set it on fire across the road <laughs> and I was like yeah you're right the thought of that has never occurred to me <laughs> I've never wanted to go and cut down a tree and cover it in shit and light it on fire but you know what everyone's got their own thing <laughs> that's sort of extreme yeah when I think back on devil's night I I, I just think about running through the streets cop cars everywhere mm -hmm. just wildless reckless I don't even know how to describe it. Um, are you going to let your kids do that? How old do your kids have to be before you like buy them? I feel like it's a little bit of a rite of passage to allow your kids to just stay out yeah. all night causing havoc. Yeah, because they don't usually sell like eggs and stuff to kids when they're <laughs> right. on Halloween anymore. Are you going to just uh, buy it for your kids? I'm going to stock up a week before. Yeah. <laughs> and then as a, a pre-Halloween gift, in exchange for all their candy that they get the next day. Yeah. I'm going to give them some eggs. Yeah. Teach them the stealing pumpkin technique. Get, give them little IOUs. You get one sheet of toilet paper for every chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, what did you do last level's night? Oh, I, I toilet papered my neighbor's house. How about you? I cut down a tree and dumped an outhouse <laughs> on it and then lit it on fire. That's You know what? Your kids got to learn to cut wood somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember one year I was like, Devil's Night was the night where you would where you would go around and try to like carjack cars. You know, you, you, yeah. you sort of had this license to to shoplift and try to steal smokes from people's cars and egg houses and get into fights. I feel like that's a very indigenous thing. Like not to like stereotype our people, but you're like, yeah, we'd steal cars. <laughs> like, listen, calm down. Uh, yeah, but it's also yeah. <laughs> Red Road Confessions. <laughs> oh. Devil's Night. Hopefully, it's not a thing when my kids grow up. Honestly, I only got a couple of years until they're like figure out what that is. I don't even yeah. know if my kids know what the devil is. They might not. I don't think they do. They'll have to ask them. I don't think they know what the devil is. They do. They honestly probably don't. No, um, I'm. I'm telling you, I don't think they do. They have any conception of that. I don't think they know what... Yeah. I mean, they might. Don't they have, like, mascots at their school? There's probably not. Uh, one of my kids' mascot is a cougar. Hmm. And the other one... I don't even know. They go to an inner-city school. And I don't think they have mascots. Oh. Mine was a warrior. No. On the res? No, no, on my white high school. Oh. Um... The Cayuga Warriors. My high school mascot were the owls. <laughs> what? That's very Halloween-y. <laughs> yeah, but it's not very intimidating on the sports field. 
Have you ever come across an owl in the woods at night? No, because I don't go into the woods at night. <laughs> are you kidding me? There are a few things scarier. Yeah, I'm that's like a kidding. sign of death. You know what I don't do at night? Go outside. <laughs> I, I've heard stories of owls saving people from bears and shit. News to me. Yeah. So they can eat you? Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, bear, that's my food. That's my dinner. Seriously. I'm eating his soul first. Yeah. Well, they were our enemies one at one time, the Anishinaabek. We had the, the war against the crows and the owls. We sorted that out, though. But they're scary. They're scary. That's why they're, they make a good make, make a good mascot, just like Indians. Mm-hmm. Bad mascot. <laughs> Bad take. No, I love that. It's great. Let's leave, we're leaving that in there. <laughs> um... So yeah, what are you going to do for Halloween decorations? Um, Halloween decorations, I'm not sure. I was thinking about maybe dressing the car up. Mm. We could, because uh, the Halloween car- podcast car? Yeah. I was thinking about what my cat's costumes are going to be. I have five cats, so they are going to be dressed up in various <laughs> costumes. I think one of them is going to be a sushi cat. And the other one is going to be, uh, he's all black, so I wanted to get him little bat wings. Um, or dress him up like a skunk. I thought that was also funny. And then the other ones, I don't know, mermaid. <laughs> mermaid. I might dress up one of them uh, like a cat. Or like, <laughs> you can get lion costumes for cats, which I think are pretty funny just too. Just a mane? Yeah. <laughs> what about one. a gang of something? What could the a cat, gang? what could the cats, you know, you have five cats. Come on, you gotta do yeah. something. They could be the Simpsons. They could be Marge, Homer, Maggie, Bart, Lisa. <laughs> the kids from Stranger Things. Yeah. I didn't watch that show. Um, it's a great Halloween. What are you going to dress up for Halloween? Are you going to dress uh, up? Are you going to go to work? Are well, you dressing gonna... up for work or are you dressing up for your kids? Uh, that's a good question. I think th- there will probably be a party though, that I will dress up for. Um, you ever watch the Netflix show Wild Wild Country? No. I don't want to spoil my... I don't want to tell people what my Halloween costume is before it's Halloween. Fine. It'll be a surprise. Um, I'm just going to dress in head-to-toe maroon. Why? And the people who have watched Wild Wild Country will get it. Okay. Or I I will be a police officer with a pink shirt. Um, No, I won't. I'll dress the maroon. So, my whole thing, I don't know if you... Actually, I I know you don't read my tweets because I often uh, say shady things about you. I'm off Twitter. And you don't uh, read them. But I um, have been single for a while and I've been really wanting to be in a relationship exclusively for a couple's Halloween costume idea. You spilled <laughs> coffee in my fucking car. So I uh yeah. Sorry. You just got coffee all over my new car. Podcast oh jeez. The podcast it's car. It's, it's mostly all on me. Okay, good it's job. Okay. Good job. <clears throat> Excuse me. Podcast interlude. Start over again. Alright, we're all good. Okay. Take it it from your single. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I have been single for a while. And I really have been, like, wanting to be in a relationship simply for the couple's Halloween costume ideas. And I really just, like, if anyone wants to be, like in a couple's costume 
or in a relationship from like October to November 1st hit you know the DMs are open <laughs> but um, I want to be this is my idea I would like to be dressed up like a spoon and the partner dressed up like a dish and it would be a dish with one spoon. <laughs> would the which would the would the dish or the bowl who would be the the Anishinaabek who would be the who would be the Anishinaabe and who would be the who would be the Ojibwe who would be the Mohawk? I don't know. I don't care. Because <laughs> <clears throat> that's our treaty, right? It's not. Uh, it's part of the Great Law. Can you can you? It's part of the Great Law before it was ever misappropriated in other contexts. I don't believe it. I feel like the, and Alan agrees with me, that the only reason why people know about the dishes with one spoon outside of like that context is because it was part of Haudenosaunee trying to expand the white roots of peace and indoctrinate people into the great law. And it was never really a treaty amongst other people. It was Haudenosaunee trying to colonize other indigenous people. And it failed. Well, you know it what? Worked, you know, worked for a time. We we tried to use it and mm -hmm. say, you know, listen, Odinashoni will share with you in our in our bowl. Yeah. Are we literally going to have this argument and right then now? Yellowhead, in fact, uh, was so upset with the Odinashoni. He said that the they had emptied the bowl out, so they had to they had to fuck off mm -hmm. to the south. So. This is why there can never be this any type of relationship between, like, Kodesh and Nish people. Because I was just trying to have a nice conversation about a funny Halloween costume idea, and you're like, remember the Treaty of Niagara? This is <laughs> why... This, this is why you can't dress up... from 200 years ago. <laughs> this is why you can't dress up as a, a dish and a spoon, because you'll just be embroiled in political arguments all night long. Yeah, so the alternative, the single lady alternative to this is that I would dress up like a spoon, like a silver shiny spoon, and carry a dish and have one of those fried beaver tails in it. <laughs> Alright, wear at your own risk, I'm telling you, people will start chirping. The only people... I feel like I've used chirp a hundred times. You have, podcast, because... I don't get it. Because you woke up and were expecting to be chirped for being late <laughs> as fuck this morning. Oh, I was so late that I, yeah, I'm a bit of a mess this morning. I, I was so bitter this morning too when I was awake my at. Coffee. I was awake at 5:30 in the morning and I had like sent you a message and you didn't reply to me by like 6:30, <laughs> and I was like that fucker's still asleep. I was so mad. I was asleep. I, I for sure wake up an hour before you to commute into the city. It's true. I need to be there on time. Yes. I'll be there on time. More respect Next for time. this commute and this podcast and me. <clears throat> yes, Courtney. Yeah. You can disrespect your friends a little bit. They can give you more leniency, but we're not friends, so. <laughs> so, one time. At Bangkok. I, I, That's an old joke. That's such an old joke. A girlfriend <laughs> and I, I dressed up as a remote control and she was a TV. And it was supposed to be like, because I turned her on. That's stupidest joke what <laughs> well people interpret it as i controlled her yeah 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 so it didn't really go no. over that well no well i think it was like 19 or something I don't yeah know. um <clears throat> that yeah. was the only couple's costume i think i don't think i've ever done a couple's costume i've blocked out most of my past relationships from my memory <laughs> um good strategy yeah God. Well, that's, you know, 
what I try to do with Mohawks. We spend hours together a day. This is the thing, right? Like, <sighs> all right, this podcast cannot just be about Mohawks. Yes, it can. <laughs> it can a hundred percent be right, about Mohawks. Let's move all on. The time. Let's move on. All Mohawks every day. Welcome to Mohawk Radio. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, Halloween. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And it's better. I mean, Halloween is even so much better when you have kids. Yeah. Last year, my son was a subway train, but he changed his mind at the last minute mm-hmm. to become a cat. Aww. My daughter was Moana, which provoked a number of difficult conversations about cultural mm-hmm. appropriation. Mm-hmm. This year, <laughs> I don't even. My daughter likes to watch the original Power Rangers shows. Yeah, my niece is going to be a Power Ranger. My daughter is going to be the Pink Power Ranger. I was the Pink Power Ranger when I was a kid. It's a and great, uh, great show. Great uh, concept. Great representation of women in that show. Um, yeah, it's a good children's show. You know what you need to expose your daughter to for television? Is the animated Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, that's a it's a good Halloween suggestion actually. Yeah. I have all of them on DVD if you want to borrow them. Who has a DVD player? You don't have a fucking DVD player? No. You don't have a Blu-ray player either? No. The fuck's wrong with you? I don't have you? a CD player. This car doesn't have a CD player I don't know, either. A modern Indian? What are you gonna do for entertainment when the apocalypse hits and you don't have Wi-Fi anymore? Watch the sunset. And the stars come out. Listen, there's gonna the, be, the sky is gonna be scorched. You're not gonna be able to see the stars anymore. You know, the last time I saw the stars this morning when I woke up and it was still dark out <laughs> to get up and drive to Hamilton to pick your ass up and bring it to Toronto, and you casually stroll in and it's like 7:30 and the sun is up. <laughs> so my son is gonna be a cat again this year. It'll be the third time he's a cat. A different yeah. kind of cat. So this time he, he's been an orange cat for the last two years. Even though he wanted to be a subway train, he changed to a cat last year. Now he wants to be a black cat. Aww. <clears throat> That's a nice costume idea. I love uh, boys that like cats. My friend. Uh, my son loves cats. He has f- portraits of cats on his bedroom wall. <sighs> my friend Carly. Her boy, uh, we call him Puddles, also likes cats, loves cats. And this one time we went to the museum in uh, Toronto. I went with them, we took the GO train in. He loves trains, so we took the GO train into the city so he could go to um, the museum. And we were um, on the train and Carly was like, do you need snacks? He's like a little guy, right? So do you need snacks? Do you want a juice box? And she pulls out, he has a backpack on, and she pulls out snacks for him outside of the, um, out of her own bag. And I was like, what the hell does this kid have in his backpack that you have all his stuff in your purse, right? Like, she had his Game Boy and all his snacks and food in her bag. And she started laughing, and she's like, hey, Silas, show Courtney what's in your bag. He takes off his backpack, opens it up, and it's just full of stuffed kittens. <laughs> He's just carrying around a backpack with like five stuffies in it, and they're all kittens. <laughs> the cutest fucking That's thing so in the world. So I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, this warms my heart. Mm-hmm. 
So he's going to be a different colored cat. He's going to be a different colored cat. cat. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Loves cats. I but have a black cat you can have. I don't want a cat. I have a spare cat. I do not. I don't know where <laughs> my, my son does not get his love from cats. Four mm-hmm. cats from me. I'm going to just wrap it in a box and leave it on your stack <laughs> of your house. No. I almost did that yesterday with my brother, Vicky, uh, was in Moss Park and she found a gerbil in a cage just out in the park and I was like yes bring it to me I want that gerbil I'm gonna give it to my nieces they can have this gerbil but someone already picked it up you need you do have five cats yeah so I think you could spare one or two yeah that's it I literally the black cat that we have is a rescue he was being abused and malnourished my dad found him he was emaciated so we brought him to our house, and my cat has been taking care of it. She's been mothering it. Mm-hmm. But now we have, uh, you know, one cat is too many cats sometimes, right? You're like, right. they're very, um, <sighs> I mean, I have one cat that I love, and she, I believe that she's definitely my soulmate, uh, Carrot. I love her very much, and she's amazing, and I don't know what I'm going to do when she dies because obviously cats don't live as long as humans and she's already seven years old and it's tough I will sometimes cry thinking about how it's like a young cat yeah but like she's also like an outdoor resi cat right they don't live as long and it's surprising she's lived as long as she has but um yeah cats are cats are amazing they're lovely and they're wonderful but like they have a lot of work my cat Stinky, not my cat, but a cat that lives with me. Stinky <laughs> has abscessed teeth. So his teeth are all rotten and he has to go get them all pulled out. Mm-hmm. Just drools all the time. That's amazing. It's get him a little kitty bib. Gross. It's a good idea. So, yeah, that's my set. Those are, those are my kids' costumes. And then mm-hmm. I'll have to figure something out where... Out, it, the street that we love on apparently is... <clears throat> really big on decorating at Halloween. Oh, nice. And there's lots of kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I lived in Parkdale, we had something like 500 kids come by. Mm-hmm. I don't know, think there'll be this much in, in East Hamilton, but uh, you got to give out, give out the candy. Mm-hmm. Kids. Um, so Halloween hack, my family lives in such a dark and isolated part of the res. <laughs> That we give out candy bags with like full size chocolate bars in them. Because you only get four kids? Because we only get nieces and nephews and cousins. Yeah, all right. They're the only ones that like make the trek down and they come and see my parents and show off the little kids in their costumes to my parents and my parents give them really good candy. Like bags of chips, pop, everything. So uh, sometimes my mom will make um, Rice Krispie squares. Hmm. That's a big thing too, like I think still on the res is like maybe like. If people don't let their kids eat homemade treats anymore because of the risk of like whatever food poisoning. So when we go to families' houses on the res, there's usually like a mix of like candy but also homemade treats. So my auntie will make like candy apples, my other auntie would make Rice Krispie squares, cookies, donuts, what have you. It's a great day. I still go out around and like visit people on Halloween. If I'm not like being debaucherous in Toronto. My uh, daughter's school sent her home with a case of chocolates. 
to fundraise. I don't even know what she's fundraising for. <clears throat> and I basically just bought the box and then have been giving candy out to my coworkers and friends. Um, that's a flat out lie. He's not been sharing any of this chocolate. He's been eating it all himself. <laughs> well, I, has, I still have like half a box, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already basically just going to give that away for Halloween candy. Mm-hmm. The to, ones you gave me melted. 15 kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your treat. She's like, here you <laughs> yeah. go. Fundraiser chocolate. Three bucks a pop, you know, that's... Yeah, it's expensive, bad chocolate. I was never allowed to fundraise as a kid. This is like the roots of my bouginess. My mother would never... Because she worked. She didn't have time to, like, do that kind of stuff. So whenever there was a fundraiser, my mom would be like, how much are they expecting you to raise? Tell me what that is. I'll just give it to you in cash. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You're at least going through the motions of taking the box of chocolate. Well, what did your mom do with it? She just didn't even take the box? Didn't take it. Didn't take it. They'd be like, hey, they would send home a little letter and be like, hey, we're going to do this fundraiser. And my mom would be like, no, you're not doing it. So, like, never got to do those things. You know how they, like, compete for... Oh, I'm super I'm a super competitive person, as I'm sure you've gathered. So they do those things where, like, fundraisers where, like, kids compete. So competitive. And my mom would just be like, no. <laughs> That's how my daughter was. I, yeah. Normally she can be... Um, she doesn't like to compete because mm. she's too competitive, but with this chocolate selling mm. fundraising thing, she just got right into it. Her her seat, the person, the little girl that sits beside her named MJ is like sold her chocolate in two days and my daughter was so heartbroken. Um, yeah, I mean, you should be nurturing your daughter's competitiveness. Yeah. Little native kids need to be competitive. I There's should. a lot of stress on them to be, you know, people think that they're, the uh, merit exists. They think that native people get things without merit. I think that you should be raising your daughter to be hyper competitive. She should be the best at everything. You just need to like let her be influenced by Mohawk people. <laughs> she will be tops number one. Should I let her win when we play soccer? I mean, because I no, because I, I don't let her win. I know, don't she's let ne- her win. She never won a game against no. me. No, <laughs> that's because you're a Leo. <laughs> uh, maybe I should let her win one or two. No, because you know what? She's going to recognize that, and one day when she beats you, she's, it's going to be extra good. She's going to take the ball and just slam it in your face. I hope I'm there for that. I she's, from, she's come pretty close in a dodgeball game, like I say. <laughs> I can't imagine that. That's amazing. <laughs> your daughter just wailing on you with dodgeballs? <laughs> That's fantastic. It won't be long. Um, yeah, so Halloween's great. Thanksgiving's great. Does your family celebrate Easter's uh, great? Christmas? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how. Like, I do have friends that are just like, I don't celebrate colonial holidays. I have one friend that uh, uh, refuses to take the the days off work that you get. So if there's a holiday for Thanksgiving, he will go to work on Thanksgiving and then take a random day off. That's how insistent he is. That's how decolonized he is. Actually, it's pretty. I like that a lot, but uh, I don't know how people like to do that. I don't, know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, all the all the holidays I partake in Christmas as well. Christmas is pretty big, and again, it's hard not to. I feel like yeah, it's hard not do to when kids, you have little kids. Yeah, do your kids know who Jesus is? I think like maybe a little bit they know who he is. Like nothing from no teachings from me about Jesus. They know who the Creator is and Nana Bojo is and. I think they have heard about 
God and Jesus, but I don't know if it's really... They've dwelled on that. Uh-huh. Christmas is so abstract from Christianity for us. Uh-huh. I asked my mom about that once. I was like, why do we... Like, so it's different in my family because my mom was also raised Anglican. So there was that kind of influence. And certainly, like, a large proportion of our family still go to church. And, like, on my mom's side, when they die, we do, like, Anglican funerals for some of them. And so it's... So I feel like I was exposed to more of it. Like, I probably went to church more often than other kids. And certainly, like, my mom's dad was had a church service and was buried at the church and my family has been you know that side of the family dad's family Tuscarora's Anglican back very far and the Tuscarora church on six nations is over 200 years old our family has a long history with it and it's definitely because of that but my mom is actually like an atheist and so it's kind of just like yeah we celebrate family we celebrate Santa Claus we celebrate that I know some Haudenosaunee families treat their Christmas tree like the tree of peace Mm. that they set up a tree of peace in their house and they kind of frame it in that way and they you know I think about that I put like and I've I Mm. set up my own mini tree in my house and I put stockings up for my cats (laughs) and we have our own little Christmas me and my cats and our tree is um, water themed, okay. like the tree is on the turtle's back, and it's ocean themed, and there's shells and Interesting. things on the tree. Our our tree is definitely like Indian mm-hmm. kitsch, so yeah. there's like you know uh, fancy dancing mm-hmm. ornaments and mm-hmm. felt drums and. I think there's actually a, we have a glass ornament with feathers in it and the Hiawatha belt painted on it. It was a nice. gift from some sneaky mohawk mm-hmm. back in the day. So it's just full of that stuff. But yeah, I like always... our um, if uh, also like the angel on top of our tree, like is like definitely like a brown angel with like a ribbon dress on <laughs> and like little like turkey feather f- wings. It's either that or it's like a Disney character. It might be Donald <laughs> Duck one year, that kind of thing. I think it's a fox on the top of mm-hmm. Christmas tree. My grandfather, my white grandfather, <clears throat> was a naturalist, conservationist, mm-hmm. photographer, war veteran. Um, but what he used to do every Christmas is, was he would go out into the woods and he would find like that a half dead tree mm-hmm. with just gnarly limbs and bent over and pop, roots popping out of the soil, and he would just like pull that and he would take it home into his garage and he would saw off the Mm -hmm. crooked limbs and drill holes into the trunk and rearrange things so that it would look like a perfect Christmas tree when he was all done and put that in his in his living room that's super funny yeah we were talking and that's the I don't know whether that's like a reclaiming or a refiguring of colonial practices that have been imposed on us or whether it's just the insidious nature of religious colonialism that it adapts and adopts into mm-hmm. well culture. right like in the way in the way that like certain animals aren't considered fish right they're not supposed to eat fish on Fridays but regionally as a part of colonialism there are certain local foods that are no longer considered fish 
or that are considered fish to adopt Christian views into uh, the community, right? So, like, um, I'm trying to think of, like, one of the weird things that's, like, considered fish. I have no idea. Because um, you're, you're not supposed to eat meat on Friday. So you're supposed to eat fish. No Friday? Uh, every Friday. Every Friday you're not supposed to eat meat. Who so, says that? The doctrine. I don't know. This really? is, like, a Christian practice, yeah. No meat on Fridays. You're supposed to eat fish. Which is why, like, every restaurant so, like, has, like, a fish. like, chicken is fish? Uh, no, but, like, alligator is a fish. <laughs> or, like, muskrat is a fish. Like, those kinds of things, right? Like, that counts as a fish. All right, eh? So, like, in, like, the southern states, Any... part of, like, their indoctrination is, like, oh, well, that's a fish. Huh. So There's how... one that's, like, locally that, like, really... It's gonna bug me that I can't think of it. This is the problem with recording like, the podcast so early in the morning is... A duck... Yeah, I think it might be that. Goose? No. Uh, so what, how does this relate to Christmas? Like, is it just colonialism? Are we fooling ourselves? Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are we saying that, like, yeah, we've kind of reimagined Christmas into these ways that are more in harmonious with indigenous... Where, yeah. we, where you strip away some of the tenets of Christianity from Christmas and you still celebrate it, but is it just, like, this cognitive dissonance and, like, sure. rationalization that means that like you're actually just like fooling yourself and playing into this like dominant mainstream narrative of capitalist yes you 100 percent reproduce capitalism mm-hmm. despite you know buying very few gifts or putting tangerines under your tree or or whatever i mean reproducing capitalism is i think inseparable from christmas uh but what are other colonial harms that are perpetuated by celebrating these holidays? I guess that's the fundamental question, right? Are you reproducing colonialism by celebrating Halloween? Thanksgiving, I guess I could see the stronger link because you're perpetuating a myth, a certain discourse of conquest and colonialism. Um, is that true with Christmas as well? Well, I guess it would depend if this is your only practice. I think that, like, there are different ways that, I guess, what you're expending energy doing, right? And I think if it came at a cost, I think if it came at, like, if you weren't celebrating indigenous cultures or ceremonies because you were busy celebrating colonial practices, I think that would be the thing, but I think that there's space for both, right? I mean, like, there's also such a freaking pressure to be perfect and do everything, you know, to be woke or to be whatever, and it's just, it can be so exhausting to, to do those things, right? Who doesn't like a good tree trimming party? I've literally, like, <laughs> never done that. Uh, we, like, string popcorn up? I could don't yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no. Um, okay. I don't think I've ever done that. Fine. We've done, like, uh, yeah, I know. But, like, that's the thing, too, right? It's, like, kids make little handmade ornaments, and they do those, you know, they glue the little Fruit Loops onto freaking pine tree cutouts, and you stick that on your tree, and you keep it forever, like. It's wampum. Uh, yeah, it, I think that it. The harm is when these holidays 
are entrenched in a mythology that actively has historically and also presently tries to erase indigenous presence, um, ceremony, cultural, culture generally. So if you are able to push back in different ways by holding up sort of the indigenous equivalents of holidays or even mashing them together, um, then I think that that um, distorts a little bit of the discourses that we're expected to subscribe to for Christmas and Thanksgiving and so on. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hard pressed to see the sort of material negative consequences yeah. of celebrating Christmas with my kids or going trick-or-treating beyond the very harmful, of course, perpetuation of capitalism. Mm-hmm. I think also, too, there's, like, the idea of gift-giving is very indigenous mm-hmm. and, and doing that kind of thing. I've tried to also consider that in, um, in what I'm purchasing and how I participate in colonialism. Like, are you buying things that are... Um, I usually try to buy things handmade that are like handmade by indigenous, by indigenous people, people. Yeah. or for my brothers I try to buy them like stuff they need for hunting that kind of stuff right and it's just another way that like part of our past or our whatever becomes this like evolution of indigenous indigeneity means in a, a contemporary context yeah my kids pile of moccasins and leather purses and ribbon shirts is sort of overflowing at this point because yeah I'm gonna have to start making stuff myself I can teach you how to sew I know how to sew I'm a good beater I think anyway I'll show you my beadwork I'll bring it in I have very little interest in flat beading are you the uh, Sam Thomas raised beading school of beading yeah yeah Three-dimensional? Yep. No, well, Sam Thomas's work, raised beading, raised beading is... Raised beadwork is beautiful, too. Haudenosaunee people are the only people that raise their beadwork. Is that right? Yep. Um, well, there you go. Just innovators. Nothing <laughs> but... If you're going to well, do it, be the only ones. Be the best. Go did, hard. We did teach you how to bead in the first place, so... <sighs> you're exhausting. That. This commute is exhausting. How I long have we been talking for? I arrive at work and I'm already 54 so minutes? tired. This is such a long podcast okay. already. Let's shut done. this thing off. Yeah, we're not at work. We didn't make it. Traffic's backed up on the lakeshore. We've been in this car for two hours. It's time to sign off. We wouldn't have been in this car so long if you had shown up on time this morning. <laughs> Say happy Halloween. Merry Christmas. See you next time. I didn't press the button hard enough oh. to turn <laughs> You've been listening to the Red Road Podcast, created by Courtney Sky and Hayden King, sounding audio editing by Humble Man Recording. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I've been driving in my Indian car to the pond.